It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I am here with Zerlina Maxwell, and we are joined right now by Dr. Sira Madad. She is the Senior Director for the System Special Pathogens Program at NYC Health and Hospitals. You probably know her from Netflix's documentary series, Pandemic. If you don't know her from this very show, where we interviewed her almost a year ago to the day, I'm very excited to pick up this conversation given where we are now. Dr. Sira Madad, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I think we're just in uh, shock know, that it's been this a has year. been a whole year. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's been such an um, excruciating year. And, uh, you know, I think um, now we're certainly on the road to recovery. So there's good news, but it took a, a lot uh, for us to get here. Um, and, and unfortunately, I think as, as bad as it's sounding, obviously, it feels even worse when we say that we had to walk over so many different uh, graves of, of people. Obviously, we, we're seeing obviously the devastation that this pandemic has caused, not just in the United States, but around the world. So I think we need to use the feeling that we have and what we've experienced and ensure that this never happens again. And in order for us to do that, we have to take active steps for pandemic preparedness. I think that's what we absolutely need to start looking at as we uh, you know, reach the conclusion of this pandemic and we start thinking about what it is that we need to do to prepare for other infectious disease outbreaks. So that's one of the questions that um, I think you're you're most probably the best in the best position to answer, because, as we mentioned, you're in the Netflix documentary pandemic, which either people watched shortly before the pandemic really happened um, or they watched since it started to sort of be like, OK, this seems like something I should probably watch and um, learn about now that I'm living through it. Um, and the main theme is like, we need to be prepared. There needs to be um, pre-planning um, for what to do, what equipment and protective equipment um, the frontline workers and nurses and medical staff need to have. In terms of our preparation, obviously we were not unprepared <laughs> um, and we didn't have the right leadership <laughs> in place, right? In the beginning, but now we do. So in terms of the, the planning, what needs to be done um, you know, in terms of the planning that we didn't do before, but we can start doing now so that if there is ever another infectious disease that's spreading or another unfortunate surge or spike of COVID, um, you know, we can, we're better able to handle it. Yeah. So I think first starting off, infectious disease outbreaks are inevitable. It's just, you know, it's part of mother nature. And in fact, if you if you look today, how many infectious disease outbreaks are happening around the world this minute, this second, there's hundreds, there's hundreds of different outbreaks, vaccine preventable, some high consequence infectious diseases, things like that. Um, but uh, pandemics are absolutely avoidable because that's when a local health threat gets out of control and becomes a worldwide um, global health crisis. And, and this particular pandemic with COVID-19 is not a, just a failure um, of one nation. It is a failure of multiple countries and nations um, not being able to contain and mitigate the, the you know, this, this pandemic. Um, and it's, 
A, shows you that we're all connected and that just because one nation may have a good process in place and it has strong infrastructure and made itself pandemic proof doesn't mean that, you know, it's safe because we live in a globalized world. And so when we look at preparing for the next pandemic and preventing the next pandemic and how to generally just make um, the world more pandemic proof, there's several things we need to do. And I think the first thing is look at how can we sustain the gains. And what I mean by that is in this particular pandemic that we're in, a lot of um, different infrastructure has been set up. And I'll give you an example. Here in New York City, when we talk about contact tracing and boxing in the virus, there is a very large um, contact tracing workforce. Thousands of people have been hired, um, you know, to uh, support, you know, the case and contact investigation. And so, you know, obviously when this pandemic ends, um, and it's not going to end in the bang, it's going to end in a whimper, we need to use that workforce instead of letting everybody go. How can we use that workforce sustain the gains and repurpose them for other tasks so when we have another public health emergency, we don't have to scramble again to build that human resource capital um, and work through the entire, you know, um, operational, administrative, and logistic challenges. Because as you know, when you're in an emergency, time is of the essence. And so when you are building right. all of this, as you're responding to the to the cases and the contagion, I mean, that's when you're having more infections and more deaths because you're, you know, you're, you're, you're building the infrastructure. So, A, how can we sustain the infrastructure? And this includes the personnel. This even includes the genomic surveillance. We have ramped up genomic surveillance significantly here in the United States. We were doing such a poor job before, but we need to continue doing that. This is not something that we should just let go um, and think, okay, well, this is done and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get back to it when there's another pandemic. No, we need to make sure we're preventing the next pandemic and we're doing it earlier. The other thing is we need to boost preparedness funding um, all around for healthcare systems, for public health. We need to have better informatics. One of the problems we had, and you know, we can go on and on about what we learned about this pandemic, but one thing uh, I can mention that we definitely learned is that we were relying on the influenza-like illness um, network that we have in, in the United States to tell us how bad or good we were doing with COVID-19 early on. And as we know, COVID-19 is not anything like the flu. And so we were blinded early on by what was happening at our communities because we were relying on an outdated um, you know, a data system that was collecting this information. Um, and so, you know, there's so many of those types of things that we need, to, we need to, to do. But I think the essence of all of it is we need to act now, right? This is not something that we should say, well, we'll get to it when this pandemic ends or when we can catch our breath. No, infectious diseases will never let you catch your breath. You know, that's, that's just the nature of how things evolve. So we need to do several different things. And I think the last thing that I'll just mention, because there's, there's so many others, is it should never take a whistleblower to tell us that there's a there's a problem happening in a country. And that's what happened in this COVID-19 pandemic. It took a Chinese physician who unfortunately died of COVID-19 himself to yeah. let the world know that this is a big problem and it should never get to that. We need transparency. We need collaboration. And we also need to make sure that we are, um, we are funding preparedness in a sense that uh, we can avoid preventable hospitalizations and avoidable deaths. The U.S. pays more in health care than many higher-income uh, countries in the world, and our, uh, you know, our, our, our motive is almost the opposite. We, we fund so much when it comes to, you know, when there's a problem, we don't fund enough to prevent that problem. So we need to change that. There's also a, a sort of public 
preparedness that needs to happen. I, 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 I we, we wanted to do something for with, with you this morning, which was to to play you some of the tape from a year ago when you explained how we could get through this if we all did the right thing um, and, uh, and sort of get your, get your reaction to uh, how, sure. how well we, how well we accomplished that. Can, can we play that Hannah? What is your concern level? Are, are you at a 10 or are you at a, yeah, this is going to be a bad flu season level. Where, where, where are you falling on that spectrum? So, in terms of my concern with coronavirus disease, you know, it, it is first, it is a concerning outbreak, but at the same time, you know, based on what we're seeing, based on the data that is being shared across the globe, majority of the cases will be mild. And certainly for the at-risk population, it is much more worrisome. So we want to make sure that every individual in the community does their part, not only to protect themselves, but also protect, you know, um, those that are in the high-risk community, because, you know, we all play a role in this. So it's just one of those things that, you know, everyone needs to understand what are what are their roles and responsibility. And everybody has, you know, again, a role to play, whether it's, you know, an infectious disease outbreak, a coastal storm or hurricanes. You know, we are in this community uh, and we're in this together. Wow. So how do we do at playing our roles? Yeah. <laughs> well, first, it's so um, <laughs> I hate hearing myself, <laughs> you know, when, um, when I replay any of those tapes, I always uh, avoid it because it's interesting. You're, you're like your worst critic. Um, so how did we do? Oh, I know. It's horrible. I'm sorry we did that to you. <laughs> <laughs> you're good. So, oh, I think first, generally, um, Americans have done an amazing job. I think just when you're looking at the majority of the population, a lot of people have done their role. They're continuing to, to take their role seriously in terms of not only protecting themselves, but protecting their community members. If you're looking at the surveys and the studies, the large portion of the American population, even without having mask mandates, were willingly wearing a mask because they knew the importance of it. And I'm sure on the media, you're hearing so many people of saying, well, you know, burning masks and we don't want to do this. That's, that's fortunately not the majority. That's the minority. And so Americans have listened, they have done their part, they're continuing to do their part. But unfortunately, one thing we also need is it's not just based on individual behavior, which is very important. It's also based on community um, policy and guidance. And we need to make sure that that works hand in hand. So when you lift a mask mandate, you're giving the wrong idea. And people are smart enough to know that, well, you know, the virus is circulating, so I'm going to protect myself and those around me. So I'm going to continue to wear a mask, even if the governor says, I don't have to do it. But we need to make sure both of those align. And that's where we oftentimes in this country don't see that alignment. When you're seeing some of the countries that have done a better job, they have a one-voice approach. They have a top-down and bottom-up approach. Uh, but here in the United States, unfortunately, we still have um, states want to, you know, go not by the science, but by, you know, what they think is right uh, based on, you know, whatever gains that they're seeing, uh, which, which, you know, is for creating a false sense of security, even now a year out to this pandemic. Um, but I think generally Americans have done a wonderful job. And, and I'm in the state of New York. New York uh, was hit the, one of the worst early on, as everybody, I'm sure, uh, you know, knows and, and was seeing um, and even experiencing mm -hmm. if you were living in the state. Um, and so New Yorkers, for example, flattened the curve. I mean, if you were seeing the number of cases that we were having and then you saw that huge slope, that dip that happened, it didn't happen because the governor just snapped his finger. It happened because New Yorkers worked to make it happen. And and so we're continuously doing what's right and we're doing our part. We just need to do more of it and be vigilant 
um, as we try to safely exit this pandemic. And it's going to happen where we see the light at, at the end of the tunnel. It's just making sure we, we get to that, that light safely uh, as a group and collectively. I feel like last night was a moment okay. where we had we had a president, um, you know, who was telling us what we needed to do following the science so that we can reach the light, right? He's like, okay, guys, we got to put the masks on. We got to keep them on. Um, if we do follow the directions, do you, do you feel confident that, uh, you know, the administration's goal of small gatherings on July 4th, is that realistic? Absolutely. And the reason why I say that is I am wow. very much every morning I wake up and I look at the data and then all of us every day, it's all day, all day, every day, all day COVID. And so we're monitoring, we're seeing what is happening. And yes, we have a lot of variants of concern. And this is something that everybody is keeping their eye on. We, we're trying to get a pulse on what is happening and how this may change the trajectory of this pandemic. With that said, we see some really positive signs. Um, and what I mean by that is we have um, you know, when you look at just generally the vaccine rollout across the United States, you're seeing that, you know, we have about 33.9 million people that have been, you know, fully vaccinated, you know, that, um, that have been vaccinated. Um, and you're seeing about 2.23 million doses per day on average going, uh, being administered. Um, and so the, va- the COVID-19 vaccines, we have three highly effective um, and safe vaccines that are available and it's rolling out um, with full steam ahead. Uh, we're also seeing that with the risk reduction techniques that many of us have been constantly talking about, not, it's wearing a mask, it's distancing, it's avoiding the three C's of crowded spaces, confined um, spaces, things like, me, things like that. All of those things are contributing to the low number of cases that we're seeing. And so we are certainly seeing some really great signs we're monitoring the metrics, so I certainly do think that we are on our road to recovery. We are turning a leaf, but again, we just need to be vigilant. And, and you know, having states lift any restrictions right now when it comes to, like, mask mandates, it's very premature. Okay, I feel pretty good now. That's weird. I know. This might be the first COVID-focused segment that we've had all year where I feel better than I did when... I started it. <laughs> We've been wondering whether, like, we talk a lot about how the people who are doing the right thing during all of this are inside, so you can't see them. <laughs> and the people who are doing the wrong thing are very loud. And they, you know, they, yeah. they get pictures taken at parties and they post on the Instagram and the rest of it. It's, it's really your sense that the majority of us did good this year? I do. I, I, ha- I mean, uh, if you're looking, at, you know, again, at the studies and you're looking at the surveys, a large portion of the American population um, did and continue to do COVID-19 safe behavior. And and as you've mentioned, unfortunately, what you see on the media is is usually a small population of people that are defying the public health guidance. But generally, what you have seen is that a large portion have been taking their role seriously. And unfortunately, as as we know, you know, when we talk about COVID-19, it is a highly transmissible disease. And so, um, even with, you know, trying to um, do COVID-19 safe behavior, it sometimes, you know, just takes that one unsafe interaction to spread the disease. It could be unintentional and, and, and you know, you were doing an activity and, you know, for example, you were, you know, dining, uh, even outdoors, for example, um, and you were very close to somebody, um, you know, for a longer period of time and you may have contracted the disease and that's 
you know, those are some of the things and realities that you're seeing when you're looking at some of the contact tracing data. But by large, I think Americans, uh, you know, have, have done a, a good job. But there was a lot of confusion and frustration because we've had very poor science communication here in the United States compared to many other countries. Um, you know, we had a lot of politicalization of many different aspects. Um, when it comes, for example, even the simplest, simplest thing like wearing a mask, which is a very simple public health intervention. Um, but even then, you saw, you know, over you know, 50 percent of the American population wearing a mask, um, even with the politicalization yeah. that was happening. Um, so, you know, those are some 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 good things I think we should still highlight. Dr. Madad, thank you so much for this interview. Um, this is yes. not at all what I was expecting out of this, but I'm, I'm grateful. <laughs> I know we have this to I good. know we have to let you go because you have um, very important work to do and we would like you to, to go ahead and be able to do that. So thank you for joining us again one year later um, and giving us this uh, relatively optimistic update. Yeah, no, thank you. Yes, and again, you know, everybody you. could remain vigilant to the risk reduction techniques and uh, you know, a vaccine will be made available to you should you choose to get vaccinated, which is really important. Um, as you know, President Biden mentioned by, by May, the timeline hasn't moved up. So it's, it's good news, but just keep holding down the fort until then. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Please stay safe and we'll have you we'll have you back hopefully to talk about something else next time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, right now we both on our radar. That's my next call. Oh gosh. <laughs> okay. 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 You go. Well, you go do oh, that call. We're going to end Ooh, on the boy. good feelings. <laughs> I was like, right. what? <laughs> Okay. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Zerlina Maxwell, at Jess underscore MC, and at Signal Boost Show. 